Good morning, everyone. It's good to be back in good old Ontario after all these months away. Woo. This is brand new, too. I'm not used to being so far from you, so I, I could end up down there, so if the camera people will forgive me, I'm not sure, but excellent to be with you. Don't worry about all those titles that Kevin's uh, talking about. My name's Ken, right? And that's it. You can just say, hi, Ken. That's okay. Yeah, that's good. I've been coming around the city here now since 1976. So it's been, uh, it's a city that's in the center of my heart. And I've been tracking with uh, Kevin and Sherry since the beginning of things here at Desert Stream. And it's a very interesting journey to watch this congregation grow and develop. I, I spent almost six years at Calvary Temple on the other side of the city and uh, serving there with Charles Ben. And we had just uh, incredible years together. Now, uh, just a, a little thing happened to me this morning, and that is a person came up to me and said, you know, are, are you Ken Gill? And I said, that's what they call me. That's what my mother named me. But they said, you know, 40 years ago, right around about then, I received Christ at the tent crusade that we had here in, uh, we used to have tent crusades where the Calvary Temple building is. That used to be 10 acres of property. And for years we had many people come to Jesus. Many, many, many people. And so it's so good to meet you this morning, Glenda. And for, you know, sometimes you plant the seed and you don't know what happens to the seed. But Jesus said in John chapter 15 that the seed, some would grow and develop more fruit, much fruit, and those would remain. And so my encouragement to you today is keep serving Jesus Christ. Sometimes as a pastor, when you're in various places, you don't know what's happened uh, to those that you've had the privilege of meeting, nurturing, or leading someone to Christ. You, you don't know that. One day I was, we were at a conference in Calgary, and this man said, do you ever come to Lethbridge? I said, yes, I do. And he said, do you think we could have coffee when, we, uh, when you're down in Lethbridge? I said, sure. So I was going down to Lethbridge. I called him up, say, would you like to have coffee? Yeah, let's have lunch. So I sit down at the table and he said to me, I've been waiting to have this meeting with you for 30 years. I said, pardon me? 30 years. Well, he said, you know, you're not easy to get to. I said, excuse me. You know, uh, some people tell me I'm more busier than I am. Do you know what I'm saying? And uh, all those kinds of things. Oh, you don't have time for me, pastor, or... You, that's self-talk. That's not God talk. You know what I mean? And so I said, well, I'm sorry it's taken 30 years. I said, well, what's the big deal about 30 years ago? Listen carefully to this. He said, you led me to Christ on the streets of Toronto 30 years ago. Have you ever had the privilege of leading someone out of darkness into light? That's what grace is all about. It's one thing to receive grace for myself. For by grace are we saved through faith in Jesus Christ. It's another thing to become a conduit of that grace. We can't just keep it to ourselves. 
this message is so good, we've got to spread it around like good manure. Don't you think so? So that you can smell it for miles, depending on which way the wind is blowing. Right, Rob? That good old manure. That's what we are as the people of God. And then he just told me about his journey to faith. And within a three-week period, I had met three people that over 30 years ago I had the privilege of leading them out of darkness into light. My dad used to talk about leading people out of darkness into the marvelous light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the preamble to that says that we are to show forth his praises as people who lead people out of darkness into light. One of the sad things as a journeyman in this thing called ministry is every one of us here are going to face the judgment seat of Christ. And that's a place where every one of us are going to give account for every deed that we have done in the body, whether it's good or whether it's bad. How many are looking forward to that day of accounting? Well, not many hands, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, most people don't like accountability. But one day we're all going to give account. I'm going to give account. Now, what's the difference between a spiritual leader and the flock of God? Well, you'll never give account for me. But all of us, Kevin will give account for this congregation for the last 25 years of leadership. We will all be called into account. And one day, every one of us are going to have to give an account. Now, if there's one thing that saddens my heart as a Christian and as a pastor, it's this. Is many times throughout our entire journey, we have not enlarged the kingdom of God even by one person. In other words, when we stand before that judgment seat of Christ, many of us will have a saved soul. It's about me, but a lost life because we have very little to lay at his feet. There's only really one thing that we can take out of this life into the next life, and that's a human soul that's been transformed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and has received the same grace that you and I have received. And so what you and I are is we are people of grace, but we can't keep it to ourselves. We've got to give it away. When I was here last November, we were having a meeting with the leadership at Mark's house, and they said to me, hey, Ken, is there anything that God has given to you to share with us here at Desert Stream? I said, yes, there is. There's a couple of things. And uh, they said, well, what's that? I said, I believe that the Holy Spirit's saying to me to say to you to revisit your values. And so your leader has been revisiting your values in this COVID year. Because of the values of the things that we highly esteem, the things that are very important to us as a local congregation, they're the things really that make you tick as a people group. And we value as a people, if you go out onto your sign, what's the first word on the sign under Desert Stream? It says belong. That, that word was never first when I was growing up. The first word out there was believe, and then when you believe, you can belong. You understand what I'm saying? But right on your sign out there, it says belief. So when we begin to look at that, that means that there's grace in this house. 
There is grace amongst the people in this house. Is that not true? And so that means that the house of Desert Stream is probably should be called a house of grace or a house of mercy, whatever, whatever it is that reflects the nature of God in his, in his acceptance. For many years when we were welcoming uh, new members into our body, I would talk to them about the ABCs of being a part of our congregation. A being acceptance. The most beautiful thing there is about Christ is when we are born again, the scripture says that we're accepted into the beloved. Can somebody say that's not a, a bad deal? Now this young man over here was accepted into a family somewhere. I just heard that. I'm not, you're accepted father and mother-in-law. You make sure you work on that relationship because that's important. You know what I mean? Especially the mother-in-law. Really, that's very important. <laughs> and so as, as you journey, they, they, they said, I just did a wedding last week and they said, we accept you and receive you into our family. And that's, that's the kingdom of God. It's, it's like the arms are this wide open and say, we're here to receive you and to accept you. And what is that? That's like the horizontal beam of the cross that says, I'm reaching out to you and I died on this cross for you. Grace is a wonderful word. Maybe I'll throw a little story in here this morning. I'm not sure about the grace of God in my own personal life. But I know one thing about it. Grace is so good, you cannot keep it to yourself. Can I have an amen in the house? So I'd say to people, recognize that you're accepted. Now sometimes when people come into a local body like this, they don't feel accepted. Do you understand that feeling word? They don't feel. Sometimes you get into a family and the son-in-law or daughter-in-law doesn't feel accepted. You haven't done enough to gain that acceptance and we're trying to work our way into things. Well, I've been to Desert Stream and I've tried, but I don't feel like I'm accepted. You ever heard, ever heard that? You know? Well, I'll tell you what makes Desert Stream an exceptional place and that's that everybody is accepting of everybody. See, this house is, is building a culture of honor. And why do we honor people? Because they literally exist. That's the only reason we need to build a culture of honor that reflects the grace of God in everything that we do. Acceptance, belonging, and connection have been the three words that I've used throughout my life. Now you use belong, believe, and become. So that's just a little modification on what I've carried throughout my life. Acceptance, belonging, and then connection to the body. That's really important of connecting with one another in the body. And that is where we have an opportunity in the body to not only enjoy the grace of God, but we need to grow in the grace of God. Now, is there anybody here that you recognize that you need to grow in God's grace? Anybody? Yeah, that's, you see, one is grace that saves. The other is sanctifying grace that whereby we are continually being a, a set apart from something to something else. And that is the grace of God. In approaching uh, this year, 2000, and I was with you last November in approaching uh, 2021, I said, Father, 
what do you have for me for this next year? He said, I'm going to show you some divine navigational systems. I said, okay. Kind of a nautical thing, you know what I mean? Divine navigational systems. I said, okay, how do you want me to navigate my way through 2021? He said, I want you to revisit the mercy of God in its depth. For seven months, I've been speaking every week and our team on the mercy of God. And I could probably go for three or four years because there's so much in God's Word. value going for the rest of you. We'd never exhaust it. You know, Kevin and the, and the team, they're giving you and I am a cursory overview of a subject that books and books and books and commentaries have been written upon because how can we exhaust the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ? Can we just lift our hands and worship him as the gracious one of the Godhead? Oh, Jesus, we worship you and we magnify your name. We bless you today for who you are. We say thank you, God, for the goodness that you show to us. So I have, I've been into the mercy of God, my goodness. And uh, the, some of the people around say, Ken, uh, are we finished yet? Are we finished yet? I said, we're, well, we're just turning over a few stones. We're not finished until we reproduce it. Until the values of this house become your values. Until the values of this house align with the scripture. And when there's alignment with the scripture and the leadership is in alignment with their own values, then the Holy Spirit wants to bring the entire house into alignment. So that you are a value-based house that's built on the, on the precepts and promises of God's word. Isn't that incredible? Is there anybody here likes going to chi the chiropractor? Anybody enjoys the chiropractor? Yeah, he's one that brings us into alignment. Is that not true? And sometimes Holy Spirit shows up on a Sunday morning to do what? To be our divine chiropractor and just give us a little, a little, a little, a little. You know what I mean? Aren't you glad he doesn't do it all at once? <laughs> you know, I, I go in like that. He says, uh, I'm going to need you to have your back every day for the next seven days. Yeah, yeah, you just want my money. No, that's not it. I just want to bring you back into alignment like this. I want to bring you back into alignment, bring you back up so you can stand up again and so you, you can do this. Do you know what I'm saying? And uh, uh, I really appreciate chiropractors and I thank God for them. But I know that as a fivefold minister, that we operate as with the divine chiropractor as bringing adjustment in the house of God. And that's what we are to do. We, with God's help, are to deliver the Word of God so Holy Spirit can take His own Word and adjust us into conformity to His Word, then be transformed by the power of the Word of God when it's taken on the inside of us. Is that not good? Somebody can say amen if you like. So divine navigational system. So I've been camping there all year. So uh, when I'm coming this way, I usually let everybody in the network know that I'm coming this way to see if I can serve in any way. And so I said to Kevin, are you guys still working on your values? He said, yeah, you can put a capstone on grace. So I'm here to try to put some icing on the cake. Do you know what I'm saying? The cake's already been built. I'm not going to rebuild the cake. I'm not putting eggs or anything in it. I'm just putting some icing on it this morning, okay? 
what, let's, let's talk about what kind of icing is preferable in the room this morning. Vanilla? Chocolate? Oh, how about pistachio cream? Can I get an agreement there? Oh, thank you very much. Thank you all. Pistach- you guys ever eat a pistachio cake with pistachio icing? Tammy, Tammy. Little suggestion here, that blueberry flan. The blueberry flan, like, try a pistachio cake and watch what happens to your husband. Watch it. My Lord God, it is incredible. Now, what I'd like to do just for a second is connect some dots. You see, the grace of God, listen carefully now. The redemptive grace of God was provided before any other grace was provided. You see, we look at the cross and we basically say the cross is the symbol of the redemptive grace of God, but it's not the original grace of God. In the Old Testament, the grace of God is looked at as a demonstration of God's loving favor, loving kindness. It kind of cooperates with the Hebrew word hased, which means a loving, gracious, kind, kind nature of the Almighty God. That's how it works. But you see, the re- listen, are you ready? Are you ready for this? Hold on to your seat. Buckle up your seatbelt right now. Can we do it all together? Pretend we're on the aircraft, 767, okay? Flight attendant, here say, buckle up. Here it comes. See, the redemptive grace of God was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. His blood was shed for us before the world was created. Guess what? He had every one of us in mind. You can read that in the book of Revelation. It says that he was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And then we lived out the New Testament, Old Testament life and bringing us to the cross of Christ, which represents the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Christ on the cross, so that you and I, by receiving the Christ of the cross, we can be redeemed because of Christ's shed blood for us. And that's called grace. Amen. Is that not true? Yeah. Can we say this together? For by grace, For by grace we, are saved. we are saved. It's not by works that we have done. It's not by works that we have done. Right index finger. Can you, can you preach with me? Can you say not as works that we have done? Come on, let's try it. Yeah, some people think that, you know, this salvation thing, I've worked my way into my position in the kingdom. I don't think so. I don't think so. Promotion doesn't come from us or one another. It comes from God. You know, when we talk about the grace of God, sometimes, sometimes it seems uh, really syrupy. Really syrupy. <laughs> grace is so powerful <laughs> that it can transform your life and my life. If you have come here with someone this morning and you've never known Christ as Lord and Savior, this could be your morning to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For those that are watching today, this could be your opportunity to receive Christ, the grace of God, as your Lord and Savior. You say, how do I do this? Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I recognize that you are God I know that I'm a sinner, and today I welcome you into my life to eradicate all of my sin, and I invite you not only to be my Savior, but I invite you to be the Lord 
and overseer of my life. Isn't that the way it works? He wants to be our overseer. You know, times I'm leading people, they'll come at an altar call and they'll want to give their lives to Christ. And so I'll, I'll say to them, so you want to give you, yes. I said, you understand that this means a full dedication of your life? I said, yeah. Would you pray after me? Then I give them a caveat. If what I'm praying doesn't agree with you, then don't pray it. So I'll say, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, today I present myself to you. Today I present myself to you to receive you as my Savior, to receive you as my Savior. And I pray through this, and they're receiving him as a Heavenly Father today, today. I ask you to forgive me all of my sins. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. And they'll go right through that until I get to this part. And today, Lord Jesus, as one who has been forgiven, I make you the Lord, overseer, and boss, and president of my life. All of a sudden, there's quiet. And you know, that's where there's many people with a saved soul and a lost life. They've stepped into the kingdom, but they've gone no farther. Is there anyone here this morning? You've just stepped into the, into the kingdom. You're grateful that your sins are saved, but you've not taken the next step. And the next step is say, gracious God, I give to you the rest of my life. And I make you the overseer of my life. I make you the boss, the superintendent, whatever you want to call them. You're in charge of my life. <laughs> that was a great place to say amen. amen. That's what he wants to be. And only you and I can make him that. It's up to us to take the grace of God and allow that grace of God to superintend everything that I am and everything that I am becoming. Is that good news? Amen. So when I look at what Christ has done, pre-world, I mean, you talk about a genius. Genius is not even the right word. But the genius of God, in the, the mind of God, before the foundation of the earth, had a provision for all of us to know him by faith through his son, Jesus Christ. I would say to myself, that's not too shabby. When it comes to planning, when it comes to strategy, when it comes to the all-knowing God, that he would work at a plan so that you and I might not be separated forever from him, but there is a provision found in Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. I'd like to bring to you a couple of scriptures this morning, if I could. I've already quoted a number of them, but I'd like you to come with me if you've got your Bibles. I'd like you to come with me to the book of Luke chapter 2 and verse number 40. Luke 2 and 40. How many love the Word of God? Luke 2 and 40. Now this is a testimony regarding the Lord Jesus himself. It says here about Jesus in Luke chapter 2. And verse number 40. And the child grew, speaking of Jesus, and he became strong. And he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Isn't that interesting? Let me read that one more time about Jesus. And the child grew. He was 12 years of age at this time. He grew. How did he grow? Well, physically, in stature. But it says, he was filled with wisdom, which is very important, and then it says that the grace of God was upon him. And you know, those of us that know Christ as Savior and Lord, 
the grace of God is upon us. The grace of God is within us. And I really sensed Holy Spirit saying to me to say to you today, help this body to recognize that they need to reproduce that grace. It's not just good enough to have it, but to reproduce that grace in community, in the workplace, the marketplace, the school place, wherever you and I can demonstrate the grace and might of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me take you to something that my father said to me in 2 Peter. Can we go there? My father used to quote this all the time. So um, I'd like to bring it to you because my dad was a very good man. And my father was, would be by all testimony of those that know him, 2 Peter chapter 3. My, they would say that my father was a gracious man. And so when we, when we look at this, in verse number 18, I think it is, it says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that was our Father's admonition to us, he would talk to us as five kids about not just knowing the grace, but growing in that grace. How many understand what, what I'm saying? So let me take you back to 1983-84. While I was serving as an assistant associate pastor for 16 years, I wondered how I would grow. You know, I thought maybe only senior pastors grew, right? And the rest of us that are people on the staff, well, you're just there, you know, and but it's only God only talks to the senior pastor. Well, I found out that God was talking to me and I didn't know what to do with it as an assistant pastor because I said, God, are you a mistake? And I thought you could only speak to, to the leader. And he says, I speak to you as well. So anyways, I would go to my senior pastors starting in Bancroft. I spent three years in Bancroft, the thriving metropolis of Bancroft. And then almost six years here and I'd go and sit with Charles Ben every week in our staff meeting and uh, there wasn't a lot of staff, just him and me. <laughs> so I'd say at the end of the staff meeting, I'd say, Charles, is there anything in my life that is impeding my progress in ministry? And he'd say, no, Ken, I, I can't see anything. I don't know. Anything. Every week, I do the same thing. You say, well, what were you looking for? I'm, well, it's a good opportunity for fathers to affirm a son. But we didn't know that we were to be fathers and sons. So most fathers don't know how to affirm. They're not a correct. They don't know how to affirm. Wouldn't it be sad if God was only corrective and not affirming? Sometimes I sit in God's presence and say, Father, is there anything that I've done that has pleased you? And he just comes and affirms me as his son. I can't tell you the intimacy of those moments. You say you're fishing for compliments. Yeah, from my heavenly father. Because one day he's going to say to me, well done, you good and faithful servant. So I believe he wants to say it now, church. He wants us to position ourselves and shut the door and get alone and say, Father, I also ask him, I have five things that I ask him, is there anything you need to correct? Is there anything you need to direct or redirect? Are there any infections? I got five words that I, I ask, is there any infection in me that you need to purge by your spirit and by your word? So I would sit there, you know, and I'd say every week, and Charles says, no, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. And so, that's fine. 
And then one day he says, you know, Ken, and I was in that maybe three years into our relationship, he says, there is something. And then my heart went into flip-flops. You ever know what I'm talking about? Oh no, what's he gonna say? What's he gonna highlight? I've given him permission. Now he's taking that permission. Now what's he going to say? Now the best way to grow in faith is to submit yourself to someone else and ask them to help you grow. In what? In grace. Sanctifying grace that sets me further apart from sin and the flesh so that I can operate in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, rejoice in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, stand in the Spirit. Everything can happen as Spirit-filled believers. That's a good place for somebody to say amen. <laughs> and so he began to talk to me about things that I need to work. And then I said, would you pray for me? And then I kneeled down and get the hand of the Father on my head. Then I went up to Toronto and pastored at Queens Bay Cathedral for eight years, and I, I did the same thing with my pastor there. One year, two years, I'd say, is there anything you see in my life? Is there anything you see in my life? Is there anything? No, nothing, no. No, nothing, no, nothing. I was hoping, I was hoping to whatever, but they didn't know how to affirm either. They didn't know how to correct. There's maybe people in this room, maybe many mothers as well. You don't know how to affirm your children. Just correct them. Need a grace awakening. We all need a grace awakening. So one day I went in to see uh, my pastor and I said, pa Pastor, is there anything? He says, Ken, you know there is. And I think I was somewhere around um, the age of 31, 32, something like that. And uh, he said, yeah. He said, Ken, you know, as a young man, he, he started with an affirmation. That's the way the Bible starts. And he's going somewhere. You know what I'm, you understand what I'm saying? The seven letters to the church in Revelation begin with a commendation. And they walk through some adjustments and some correction. And then they've got the, the blessing at the end. He said, yeah. He said, Ken, you know, I've not met such a young man that is so filled with God's Word. You have truth coming out your ears. You know? And so, okay, yeah, yeah. It's good to know the truth. You should know the truth. Truth shall set you free. Truth. Yeah. Any truth people in the room? Usually if there's truth in your DNA, there's a prophetic thing that's there that's wanting to speak the truth, guard the truth, declare the truth, whatever. Truth teller, any truth tellers in the room, you just have to tell the truth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. So he said, Ken, you're just so full. As a young man, he said, I'm not, I've not met anybody like it. He said, you, for a young man, you're way beyond your years. I said, oh, well, I just love God's word, right? Anybody here love the word of God? How many know that it's not sufficient just to grow in your knowledge of the Word? And my pastor said to me, he says, you know, Ken, I want to give you a scripture out of John chapter 1. It says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. And I see more truth in you than I do see grace. And I was sitting in a chair and I fell out of the chair into a fetal position. And I began to weep. I began to literally weep, just sob on the floor. And he got out of his chair and he came as fathers should and laid their hands upon me that I might understand what it means to be a believer but to have continuous grace awakenings. So that the sanctifying grace, the grace that sets me apart from and sets me apart to, that grace that grace is going so that 
Is there anybody here who wants to be like Jesus? Anybody have been talking about replicating? Well, that's it. Well, we can't just be filled with truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. You know, when I was named, my name is Kenneth. My second name is Samuel. The name Kenneth means in the English vernacular, it means gracious one. So I was named with that, but I needed to experience that. Samuel is one who hears the voice of God. That's my prophetic sense that I, I care. I'm always interested in what God's saying. Listening to what he's trying to say, but I need the grace of God to flush through me to present the beautiful truths of God's Word. Is that, is that, is that okay? Then in September 7th, I had this setting apart to an apostolic anointing on my life. They laid hands on me, released me. And then a couple months later, it was 18 of us staff, and we were at a retreat center. And we were there uh, seeking God, and they were there to witness the uh, separation to the apostolic uh, grace that God had put in my life. And uh, I, I was on the floor, and 18 of them came around me, and for over two hours, they prayed an impartation of great grace that the apostolic church must have, not just grace. It's a great, the apostles operated in the great grace and favor of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my pray that an apostolic entity as you are, that God would take this value of grace and cause you to grow. And there would be an impartation of his grace into every one of our hearts. Paul said when he came amongst the church, he said, I've come among you that I might impart something to you that would make you strong. And this morning in this house, it's not talking about a gracious, kind, loving personality. I'm talking about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, of His Word, that is imparted to us as His people. And we literally are transformed before people's eyes. The people say, Ken, you're not the same guy I once knew. I said, no, I'm growing. Anybody growing with me here in the room? No time to be stagnant, church. Listen, COVID was a time set up by God. I left here in November on a Sunday being with you, being with the staff. I drove to Toronto and I said to God, what are you saying for 2020? He said, "Be prepare yourself for a divine reset. So I knew from that day, I said, how does a man prepare himself to be divinely reset? And I believe in this, God's wanting to us to be reset. If you break a bone, there's something broken in the house of God. He must reset his house. He must reset apostles and prophets and pastors. He must reset his own head on his own body. It'll be an act of his grace so he can bring the church into divine alignment with the purposes that he has in mind for our nation. And we can complain and we can complain, but this has been a season for him to reset us. May I ask you, what has God reset in your life in the last 18 months? Anything? Or are we just waiting for it to be over? What if it's not over because God's not finished resetting? Help me. Help me. Come on. I explained to a young businessman down in uh, California 
I said, he said, what do you mean by a reset? I said, it's like when you break a bone and you go to the surgeon and the surgeon does his work of resetting that bone, whether it's with pins or a plate or uh, whatever it takes to screws or whatever. And then they sew that thing back up, but the guy just doesn't get up and walk all of a sudden. That thing's got a knit. These are the things that God's wanting to break in us so that he can reset us. On our 25th anniversary, my wife and I were in Africa. And I wanted to bless her with a Zimbabwean diamond and a Zimbabwean emerald because that's where they have beautiful things. So we took our wedding band and gave it to the jeweler. And he took our five original diamonds, put them in a new setting. And then he put a bigger one there say, thank you for 25 years of working with this guy. You know what I mean? You need, uh, if I could afford a bigger one, I'd give you a bigger one. Because it's about gr gratitude for the grace that my wife has shown to me now for 47 years. You say, yeah, I know I'm only 52, but that's okay. Don't worry about that. We're married, married as kids. grace. And so she got that. And every time she wears it, it's representative of the first 25 and the next one, the next 25. And I've only got two more years, Kevin. What can I put another bell on her finger? What should I do, Kev? Should I, what do you think? Think big, think big or go home, right? Think big or go home. So we're working towards that. But what is it? It's about the grace of God. God's wanting to release his grace in this house. This morning, he already has been doing that and he's going to continue to do. Anybody sense that God is imparting something fresh to you in these last three weeks on the grace of God? He's trying to reorder our steps. And you know, if it's going to be reset, if things are going to be reset, I said, well, Father, what are you resetting? And I, I opened my heart to him and he said, Ken, you must walk with me and connect the dots. Connect the dots. So I've just done a dot connecting this morning. Eternity passed. Grace was provided. And then grace was provided at the cross. <laughs> and grace is provided for us today. Come on, isn't that great? And he wants us to be dispensers of his grace. You ever go to a, a, a let me call it properly. I don't want to call it a Coke machine, but uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't do that. Or, or pep. What do you call those things that have soft drinks in them? No, what? Oh, uh, thank you. He wanted me to say, see, okay, you know, a vending machine. Then you go to a vending machine and you put your toonie in and you get nothing out. What are you tempted to do? Kick the machine. What else? Shake the machine. What else? Smack it. How many times? And you walk away ticked off because you have no drink and it's taken your toonie. Right? That's like we the church. We're supposed to be dispensers of his grace. And sometimes we frustrate. Because people will tap on us and nothing comes out. Meanness, anger, all these things come out of us. Harshness. God's in the process of tenderizing every one of our hearts. Is that not true? 
So my father's words came from God's word. And I bring my God's word through my father's heart and my heart and say that God wants this house to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is there sufficient humility in this room this morning to acknowledge your need to grow in the grace of God? Yeah. Well, I'm almost finished. Are you ready for me to finish? I'm, got, I'm in the helicopter and I'm circling the airport and I'm almost there. Let's go to one more scripture and I'll conclude with this today. Come with me, if you would, please, to the, uh, if you come to me to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's connect the dots. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, says, let us approach God's throne of grace. So, the throne of God. It's a gracious throne. Let's approach the throne of grace with confidence that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You say, Ken, I know that scripture. I've got the thing memorized. Well, I understand that. But would you allow me to give you an assignment for this week? Would you take that verse and would you go beyond your intellectual knowledge and understanding and begin to meditate on it for at least seven days? Many people are afraid to come to God. It says here, let us come and approach God's throne of grace with confidence. And that word confidence means let us come boldly. Let us come with free speech. Let us come with free utterance into the presence of God. Let's come. So what is he looking for? Papa God is seated in his throne with his son. And according to the scripture, Ephesians 2 and 6, I'm already seated with him in his throne. Right? So I'm right. I'm not looking up at the throne. I'm looking beside me on the throne because I'm seated together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Where are you seated this morning? Right? I got a card back in 1973. I wasn't feeling well. And the card said, Ken, keep looking down. I thought, what an insensitive card to send to somebody uh, that's sick. Keep looking down. Why would I do that? We should be saying, hey, keep looking up, man. Everything's going to be all right. And it was my oldest sister. And I opened it up and said, because you're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Where are you seated this morning? Where are we seated? Where are we operating from today? Are we operating to get our inheritance or from our inheritance? I'm already seated today. You seated how many? It's a big throne, guys. There's an awful lot of people seated on that throne. Move over a little bit. And, you know, get, I want to get closer to Jesus, right? But we're in his throne. We're seated in his throne. And it's a throne of grace. And we're right there. So in terms of Barry saying, you know, proximity is power. Let's take that. Proximity is power. We're pretty close to the original. He lives and abides within us. And he's just saying, hey, Ken, will you get so close to me? I, I really want to hear, hear my heart this morning. I believe that I carry a prayer burden for this house. Carried it for many, many years. That this corporate house would be known as a house of prayer for all nations. But it starts here. This house must become a house of prayer.
for all nations. When it starts here, I sense apostolically in your future that God wants to answer so many of the prayers of this house. And I believe there's a grace to pray. And I believe that that grace, if we'd step into it, that we'd step into a multi-dimensional release of God in this house and in this region. God's looking for somebody to stand in the gap. Somebody to stand in the gap and say, we'll become a house of prayer. I'll become a house of prayer for all nations. So the concluding part of this is let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy. Remember, we cannot give away what we do not have. If I'm not carrying hope, I can't give it away. If I'm not walking and carrying the grace of God, how do I give it away? If I'm not walking in the mercy of God, how do I give away what I'm not possessing? And it's all there for us. I'll conclude with this thought. I've got one other thing after this, but many years ago, I came here back in 2005 and 6. And I said, uh, the Lord said to my wife and I, that you're coming through this season and the weapons that you've had, that you've used for 32 years, will not cut it in the 21st century church. Let me say that again with the distractions. Let's just say that again. The weapons that you've used for the last 32 years are not going to cut it in the 21st century church. And he said, I want, I want to rearm you. I said, with what? He said, I want you to show you new weaponry for the 21st century church. Do you remember, Kevin? And you had me come here and I came and shared those seven weapons. Like Kevin wanted me to do them all in one message. I said, I can't do the Bible disservice. He said, no, you just want to be invited back seven times. I said, what it is is, folks, we're not on a playground. And if we haven't learned that in this last year, we're in a battlefield. It's a battle for the family. It's a battle for our nation. It's a battle for the souls of men. It's a battle for the church. It's a battle to have democratic government left in our nation. Is that not true? And I'll tell you what, we can't just sit around, twiddle our thumbs, and play hopscotch. We've been called to a battlefield. We've been called to that battle. And that battlefield he has is for every one of us to plug in on that battlefield. And so I just want to share with you some new weapons for the 21st century church. Grace is a weapon. Mercy is a weapon. Gentleness is the weapon that it breaks the bone. It's so strong. A word spoken gently has the ability to break the bone. Isn't that amazing? I'm not going to tell you the rest of them. But there's things that we see as virtues. Our culture in Belleville and this region need the release of these things from every one of us. And so this is the last thing I say. You say, you said that a couple times, I know. But this is, I'm going to read this and I'm going to say this to you. The throne of God is regarded as a place of divine access. Communion, divine access, divine communion. It's a place of favor as one who has atoned. And I make this declaration over this house. According to the book of Hebrews chapter 4, he is accessible. In the Old Testament, it was limited access. In the New Testament, he's fully accessible. Number two, 
He's fully available. In the Old Testament, he was avail available once a year. In the New Testament, it's 24-7 that he's available. Is that not true? And number four, when the priest would go in once a year, they'd tie a rope to the ankle and put a bell. So if the sacrifice was not accepted, they'd be pulled out dead. So they approached God with fear. Now we approach God with no fear. Fearlessly. How many are interested in a fresh approach to the throne this morning? Close up your Bibles. Put down your pens. How many want to join with me? I sense Holy Spirit saying, come near to me and I will come near to you. Is there anybody interested in drawing close? Just stand to your feet, lift your hands to God and say, here I am. I want to draw close to you. Can you say after me, intimacy? Can you say after me, intimacy? Can you pray after me, Father? Your word says, if I draw near to you, you will draw close to me. Father, in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, I intentionally and purposefully draw myself close to your throne. I want to look like you. I want to talk like you. I want to represent you well. Father, I so desire to reflect you and not me. I want to reflect you in all I do. And today, today, I have looked into the mirror of your word and I see myself in need of grace. So right now I receive your grace in abundance in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.